Um, so as Dylan said, uh, we're going to start a new topic series this next couple of weeks called Summer Jams. Uh, we're going to be focusing on some of the more common stories uh, in the scriptures from the Old Testament and New Testament. Um, some with a different perspective um, on how they point to Christ. And uh, you're going to hear stories. Uh, today you're going to hear about Ruth. Um, you're going to hear stories about creation, David and Goliath, and uh, some others that you're very familiar with. Um, so as I said, today we're going to start talking about Ruth, and we're going to go through the book of Ruth. It's uh, four chapters and 85 verses. It's not a lot, um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a story that speaks of transformational change based on a decision of faith. And so when we look at Ruth, she was a woman of uh, tremendous love and loyalty, um, and she was a woman that uh, through all her uh, troubles and all of uh, her loss, she chose to be obedient and faithful. And it led to changes in her life and ultimately to the lineage of David and then to Jesus himself. Um, she chose to leave her old life, a life of paganism and of um, hardships and a land of... of uh, fallen times to um, the God, land of the God of Israel. And her track changed um, the storyline and changed history as we knew it. Um, she take, take, Her story takes place during a time um, towards the end of Judges, somewhere as the reign of the Judges changed over to the reign of the Kings. Um, so with that, we're going to focus on one key verse out of the whole book, and that's going to be verse 116. Um, that's the pivotal point in her, in her storyline uh, where she chose to leave her God for the God of Israel. Um, thinking about that change, it makes me think of um, changes in my life and changes that changed the direction of, of where I went and how I got to where I am today. Um, looking at back when I was in college, um, my, faith, my faith was not there. Uh, I'll be completely honest. I was not a typical college kid by all respects, but I spent a lot of money, spent a, went to a lot of parties, spent a little too much time uh, spending time with friends, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and my relationship with Christ, I would say, was non-existent. I had completely given it up. Um, and then I finally got to a point in my life where I kept saying to myself, I gotta stop living like this. I gotta stop dealing, stop making bad decisions, stop making the poor choices. Um, and I felt the need to get back to my faith. And, um, I grew up in a, in a faithful family, so it wasn't that I didn't know Christ, it wasn't that I didn't have a relationship prior, but I let that get away from me and I wanted to get it back. My choice to get, take him back came <laughs> in my early 20s. Um, I learned a lot of hard lessons on the way there. And um, with that, um, I noticed my life started changing. My faith was growing stronger with him again. Um, I got a chance to meet Katie. That probably wouldn't have happened if I didn't smarten up. Um, led to having a beautiful family. That I think they are anyway. And <laughs> um, ultimately led to my call to ministry. And... Um, I think about what changed, what took me from where I was to where I am, and that was me going back to Christ. And so, as I, as I reflect on that, and I, I sit here over the last couple of months of my internship, and 
looking at the last couple of years of just doing general ministry and talking with people. And I've heard story after story after story of how people's lives changed once they came to Christ. Or in some cases, people who want that change that just aren't ready to accept him yet. And I keep going back to the story of Ruth. And the story of Ruth is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And I say that it's something that I've gone back to repeatedly because it's a story of making that change, making that commitment. And somebody that, with a full faith chose to walk away from a life of comfort that they knew, their family, their, time, their background, their heritage, and chose to blindly lead into a new land following somebody that they didn't have to follow. And in turn, started worshiping the God of Israel, Yahweh, which in turn led to uh, a change in her life, change of blessings, and ultimately lineage of Jesus. Um, the book, like I said, it's only four chapters, it's 85 verses, but it tells a very poignant story. Um, the first five verses talk about, uh, kind of lay the basis of, of what, she was, what Ruth was dealing with. Um, it says, in the days of when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land, and, the, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. And he and his wife and his two sons, the name of that man was Ella Elamelech. I did that earlier, too. Elamelech and his wife Naomi and his two sons, Maon and Chilion. And I don't know. Hey, Mace, this is the slides working? This, this one? All right, cool. So these guys, well, that's where they came from. <laughs> um, so why we're here? Beautiful. Um, these are who we're talking about. So Elamelech was the husband of Naomi. Uh, he was the one that chose to leave, bring them from the land of Jerusalem to the land of Moab. Uh, Malon and Chilion were their sons, and then Ruth and Orpah married the sons. Um, he chose to bring them from Jerusalem to Moab, um, roughly about 100 miles. Mace, can you go back to that map? So roughly 100 miles um, between the two locations. Um, the choice to move from Jerusalem, which was the God of Israel, to Moab would have been a, a very large uh, choice that would have been considered in, in the culture of great disobedience to God. Uh, they chose to um, leave God's promised land to go to a Gentile land. Um, with that, um, they entered a land where um, they were descendants of Lot. And so during that time period of history, they were still very much enemies of the two lands, Moab and Israel. Uh, so this was not a very welcoming situation. It wouldn't exactly be something that would have been considered a, a good choice. Um, in, the, in the course of the first 15 verses of uh, chapter 1, we find that Naomi loses her family. She, her husband dies first, and then her boys die, and she's left just her and the two girls, uh, Orpah and Ruth. And so she makes a conscious decision to say, to go back to the land that Naomi knows, and that was uh, Israel. <clears throat> she had heard, as it says in um, verse 14, uh, 13 and 14, is that the land was no longer under famine, and that the Lord has blessed it with food. Um, so verse 6 goes, uh, goes on to say, um, he's visited his people, giving them food. 7 says, so go on to the place with the two daughters of law, and they went out on the way to return to the land of Judah. Here, Naomi says to the daughter-in-laws, I have, you have no commitment to me. 
go start new lives. And she, what she's doing is she's saying, I can't give you any more, I can't give you any more husbands. At this point, she's old enough where she's going to be barren. She can't continue the lineage. And that's a nod to the you know, laws in Deuteronomy saying that family should continue in that bloodline. Uh, widows should be taken care of by brothers or next to kin. Um, and that's kind of an important thought to come back to in a few minutes. Um, so she says to the daughters, go, go on, find new husbands, have children, bring up a different lineage. Originally, the daughters say, no, 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 we're going to stay with you, we're going to follow you, we're going to... And she pushes back and says, no, you guys need to go. Orpah says, okay, bye, see you later, off she goes. Ruth says in verse 14, it says Ruth clung to her. Ruth felt loyal to Naomi. She felt that she was accepted into her family, she was accepted into a, a culture difference because Naomi was from Judah, so she, or, she had a relationship with God at one point. Naomi, uh, Ruth saw this, Ruth clinged to that. She, she felt that she had to be obedient and stay faithful to Naomi. So Naomi says, uh, Ruth goes on to say in verse 15, uh, 16 rather, and this is the one I want to focus on. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God be my God. <clears throat> First thing she says, do not urge me to leave you. She was showing that she had obedience and faith in Ruth. She had a love for Ruth, uh, I'm sorry, Naomi. Ruth is saying this to Naomi, forgive me. Um, so she's saying this to Naomi, that she had a love and faith for her, and she wanted to continue to support her. She felt an obligation and a, and a need to continue taking care of Naomi. Where you go, I will go, is her acknowledging that my loyalty for you will be going wherever I, wherever you need to go. If you want to go back to Judah, I'm going to follow you to Judah. If you stay here in Moab, I'll stay here in Moab. But she didn't, <clears throat> that wasn't Naomi's plans. She says, so your people shall be my people. And this was, this was the first real sign that something was changing with Ruth. She was willing to walk away from her family. She was willing to walk away from her heritage. She was willing to walk away from everything she knew and the land she grew up in to go to a land 100 miles away that she's never been to and only heard of. If history tells us anything about that, the family traditions would have told about the battles and, and the lack of relationships that would have went there. So she was knowingly going somewhere that was not friendly to her heritage. Uh, she says that your God will be my God. She vowed to walk away from her pagan roots. They, she Picture the, the time here. You had people on this side of the lake that were worshiping the God of Israel. They were worshiping Yahweh. On this side, they worshiped a God named Shamash. He was a pagan god, human sacrifices, rituals, things that would absolutely be an abomination in God's work. <clears throat> so you had two very different cultures, and she was willing to leave the one she knew and grew up in for a God she didn't know. Where else have we heard that? We've heard that all through the scriptures of many different times and in our, each other's lives, where somebody has chosen to leave comfort and leave what they know to go meet God and go be, learn about God and accept God as their own. So here she was taking and saying, I give up. 
this old life, the stuff that I known, the stuff that I'm comfortable with. I wanted to take your God as my God. I want to take Yahweh as my God. Um, her doing that was an echo of the covenant promises uh, that were given to us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Genesis 17, 7 uh, echoes this, um, this covenant when it says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Jeremiah 31, 33 says it this way. For this is the covenant I make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write in on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Ruth had no idea that those, that covenant was made. Unless you might have come through Naomi, but from the commentaries, it doesn't appear that that kind of knowledge would have typically been shared through a motherly figure. So... She was going to accept a God, this new God that she had very little knowledge of on blind faith and obedience to her mother-in-law, who she had no real tie to at this point. Her mother-in-law said, go, be free. I can't give you any more children. She had no, no need to say, but she felt faith and obedience, the call of faith and the call to be obedient to her, to follow her. She goes on to say, where you will die, I will die. And that's just a continuation of her devotion to Naomi. She's saying that wherever you go, I'm going to follow you up until death. She even goes further and says in verse 19 that may God punish me if I, if I break this covenant I'm making to you to follow you. So this leads up to chapter, chapters 2 for 4 um, as an entrance to... Um, what happens next with the changes that are going to occur in Ruth and Naomi's life. As they sojourn into back into uh, Bethlehem, Naomi's welcomed with open arms. They right through the gate, uh, we're told in verse 22 um, that she's, uh, forgive me, um, she came, she was welcomed in and they called and say, is that Naomi? And she says, no, call me Mara. Uh, she said, Naomi means uh, blessed, whereas mirror means bitter. Um, so, uh, pleasant rather than bitter. So, she's coming in broken. She's coming in feeling lost. She's full of grief. She's lost her husband, her children. Everything that she had known for the last 10 plus years has completely changed. And her, I say 10, probably 20-ish, um, has completely changed. So now she's going back home um, to a land that she's familiar with, but she's coming in a completely different person. She feels lost, alone, doesn't have the family that she had started out with. Um, and that leads into the, the, um, the rest of the story, because now she's back home, but everything that she and her husband left before they left is gone. Her, her property, her inheritance, everything uh, that they left behind is now, for lack of a better term, for close. It's, it's, it's lost. So um, the first picture we see as we go into chapter 2 is uh, Ruth is showing her selfless love for, for Naomi by going out and collecting gleanings in the fields. And the gleanings were the stuff that was left behind um, during the harvest. It's explained in Leviticus 19. Um, that when, once you pick the harvest, leave behind anything that falls um, so the poor can pick up the scraps. And that's what Naomi would do. She would go out and 
and glean from these fields to take care of her and Naomi. Um, through this, through her actions there, she ended up meeting Boaz. And Boaz is going to be a huge role in, in the rest of the changes in her life. Because as she meets Boaz, Boaz is told by the people that work in the field that the young lady that's gleaning is Ruth, who's the kin of Naomi. Boaz and Naomi are related through Elimelech. Um, and you find out that they're, they're kin of some form. From what we can gather, he's probably an uncle uh, or a cousin because it talks about him not being the primary kinsman to, the, uh, to Naomi. The kinsman would be uh, the person next in line to take care of the widow. So back when we said that she had no more sons for the, for the daughter-in-laws, the kinsman would be the next ones to take care of Naomi and Ruth. Uh, Boaz recognizes this relationship, recognizes uh, Ruth and her selfless acts of taking care of Naomi, even when she didn't have to take care of Naomi. So Boaz shows her some grace, and in verse 211 it tells us, Boaz says to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land to come to a people that you did not know before. The Lord will repay you for what you've done, and the full reward given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, and under the wings of which you have come to take refuge. So, Boaz is recognizing, you didn't have to do this, but you chose to. And because you chose to come to this foreign land, you chose to come to the land of the God of Israel, the Lord will bless you for that. The Lord will bless you for your obedience, your selfless love, your loyalty that you're showing, is what Boaz is saying to her. As we look further down through the storyline, you know, we get into chapter 3. Chapter 3 tells us, that Naomi and Boaz, um, Naomi recognizes Boaz as being a, a, a solution to her problems, being the kinsman or kinsman redeemer um, for her family. He could help retain her previous lands and her inheritance that she had um, prior to leaving back with Elimelech uh, when they went to Moab. So she sees him as being the gateway to be able to bring back, get back what she lost. She also looks at it as a way of fulfilling her family lineage, bringing back and continuing her family's bloodline. Only a kinsman redeemer could be, could be empowered to do that. Naomi, uh, Ruth shows great obedience by Ruth through all this, to the point that Naomi starts coaching her in how to court Boaz to um, get him to agree to marriage and become the kinsman redeemer. Uh, Ruth blindly says, okay, in full faith and obedience to her mother-in-law, she says, okay, I'm going to do this. So as we read through 1.5, she starts courting Boaz, again, showing faith and obedience to her mother-in-law, not knowing the rules of, of what the land required for courtship, for the kids of redeemers. She, and at this point, she's probably being told about this stuff, but she, she's new to this. She's new to land. This is, she's gone to a God that she didn't know. 6 through 13 tells us that um, Ruth listened to Naomi and she went to lay with Boaz on the fleshing floor at his feet. And that's important because um, that was her way of saying, I want you, you want me, I want you to take me to Mary. Um, he actually recognizes this as the proclamation. He says, um, he shows gratitude for her honor and for being. Um, and following, 
the lack of charm is following etiquette for uh, she actually has to leave early so there's no question that she remained faithful and um, she was uh, staying pure so she he showed her gratitude and honor in those ways which then leads to chapter 4 where we see Boaz again saying I'm not the kinsman redeemer you have somebody that's closer this person that's closer we figure it was one of Elamelech's brothers um, again, because he was been in between him and, and Boaz. So we go into chapter 4 and we see that um, Boaz calls to meet with the initial kinsman. And he says, you have first right. You have the first right to claim um, uh, Naomi and her land and what she has, what she has to do to her. And he's, first of all, all for it. He's like, yes, absolutely, I want it. Then Boaz tells them that, okay... In doing so, you also have to take Ruth. Ruth was the, is the widow. She's able to carry the family lineage. So you need to accept her. And he says, wait a minute, time out. Deal's off. Uh, I already have a family. I can't have, have another one. I'm not going to start another one. I'm not going to let it break what I already have. You can, have, you can ha be the Kingsman Redeemer. You can take, oh, you can take this. So that, that deal was done in front of the witnesses and they solidified the deal by exchanging a sandal. Why a sandal? I don't, that must it was the times I always found that funny that a sandal was the was the sign of sealing the deal. It doesn't say a handshake, it doesn't say a hug, it says it's exchange of a sandal. So um, with that, Boaz and Ruth were cleared to marry. Naomi was cleared to get back what was hers. Uh, and in turn, Ruth and Boaz had Obed, who was the grandfather to David, which, as we know, Jesus was part of the lineage of David. Listening to that story, you hear, the, you hear that change from her previous life, the life before the land of uh, Judah, before the God, coming and meeting the God of Israel, coming and meeting their people, uh, being a life of desolation, lostness, uh, hurt, to change in, in life. And things started getting better through faith and obedience. There was blessings. And we look at our own lives, and we can see where things like that have happened to us, where we lived in a life of darkness, where we had times where we felt lost. But then we look to the light, where we look to Christ, and we, we see that light, and we see the change. Um, when we look over the whole storyline, we got to first, for, first and foremost acknowledge that she left her old life and her old God for a God, Naomi's God. This is absolutely the linchpin of the storyline. She chose to leave the old for the new. She chose to make a conscious decision to leave her old ways, her old God, for the new God, for the God of Israel, for Yahweh, a God she didn't know, but she was willing to apply full faith to and allow to follow his ways. He was her new life in him. And then that decision led to a whole chain of events to, that allowed him to guide the narrative. It changed her life. It went down his road. Uh, because of that decision, she had blessings that were placed before her and lined her up to be within the lineage of Jesus himself. Um, Deuteronomy 28-14 actually notes that relationships like this were um, highlights of God's blessings of faithfulness and obedience. 
Um, and then when we look, we look at the story and say, well, how does it apply to us? What can we take away? Well, first of all, we can take away the fact that God's always at work in our lives. Just as he was at work behind the scenes before Ruth and Naomi ever knew what was, what was going on, before they knew what was planned for them, he was already at work. He knew his plan. He knew that they were going to go back to Judah. He knew what he had lying for them. God's sovereign in that way. He knows his ways. He knows what he has for a plan. He is all-powerful and all-present in that, in that matter. Um, 1 Timothy 6.15 says that he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Because he is. He's the one. He's the, full, the person in control. Matthew 6.13 says that for yours is the king of the power and the glory forever. You know, 1 Chronicles 29.11 says, Yours, O God, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as the head above all. As we see in, in Ruth's storyline, she came to a God that had control. She came, she left paganism and, and its beliefs in, to Yahweh, who was in control, who is the creator, is the one true God. He knows through that, she went to a God that has full control and knows his plans for us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. He will always have a plan in our lives, whether we follow it, or whether we know it or not. His plan is always his, and it's ours to follow. The second thing we can take away from this is that we must choose to leave our old life of sin for a new life in Christ. We must make that conscious decision to leave our old ways to take our new. Ruth left a life with a, a pagan God of sin, lawlessness, for a life with, with Christ, with the life with God the Father in the land of Israel. She chose a life in him. And as she was changed, as, as her life was changed, as she was changed as a person, we are also changed when we accept Christ. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you, but to will and to work for his good pleasure. He changes us. He wills it for us to change. It's his pleasure to see us change. We are accepted by Christ. We are saved, rather, when we accept Christ. Our lives, when we make that decision to go from sin to accepting him to new life in him, um, is done through the acceptance of Christ. And it's done solely through his, God, through his free grace. For the grace that we've been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing, it is a gift of God. It's Ephesians 2.8. It's there for us. Some of us have made that decision. Some of us are still trying to find out whether that decision is right for us. But the decision is, is for us to make, for having our faith in him, because he's willing to freely give it to us. That salvation can only come through Christ alone. He is the only one that can give that to us. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Romans 10.13 continues, For everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Acts 21 says it this way, 
it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is through Christ alone. Salvation is us leaving that old life. It comes from us leaving that old life and accepting him. Which leads to the third point that really we take from the story is that Christ is our kinsman redeemer. Christ, just like Boaz left, uh, redeemed Ruth and Naomi, Christ's death on the cross redeems us and grants us forgiveness for our transgressions. It is his death that gives us that grace. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Romans 3.23-24 says, For all have sinned and fall short for the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. And Galatians 1, 3 and 4 says, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of the God and the Father. Just as Boaz redeemed Ruth and Naomi, Christ redeemed us with his death on the cross. Amen. And we need, there's no better picture of what Christ did with, to us than that. That his, his death on that cross was for us. I... Exactly. Yeah. Um, Ruth, Ruth, and, Ruth and Naomi chose to leave Moab, but Ruth made the conscious choice to walk away from the life that she knew. She walked away from what the comforts and the creatures of her past to a God, the God of Israel. Her heart was changed when she met the God of Israel. Our heart changes when we meet Christ. Those of us that have made that decision of faith, those of us that have brought and taken Jesus as our Savior, we felt that change. You can sit, sit there and you can think about that time that you made that decision and, and how you felt and the, the sensation, that, that burning fire that, that comes upon you, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you. And that's, that's a change that I, I sit here and I still to this day cannot describe how I felt when that happened. And for people that haven't felt that yet, it's there when you want it. It's there when you're ready to accept in blind faith our Lord. He wants you. He wants to accept you. He's ready to take you as you are, where you are. And it's your decision when you are ready to accept him. It's by his grace we are saved. It's not by our actions. It's not by what we do or how we live. It's by him and him alone. When we choose to do what Ruth did, when we choose to walk away from our old life to our new life in him, things change. There's no promises of the good that will come. There's no promises of um, happiness or anything immediately. But we know that when we accept him, it changes our glory and the kingdom of heaven with him. And that, as we accept him, and we have the Holy Spirit dwell in us, and as we live for him, we know that that's where we end. Christ was our current Kim's redeemer. And as Boa, we see in Ruth's story, her decision of faith, her decision to go from old to new, brought her to her Kim's redeemer. 
And our decision to go from old to new brings us to ours. With that, that's what I got. So I do want to pray a closing prayer as the worship student comes up, then we're going to do another song or two. Um, Lord, I just pray to you, Father, that as people hear this message today, that they touch their hearts. I pray to you that hearing this message talks to people in ways that they need to hear, Lord, and I just ask that as as people reflect on this message, Lord, that they reflect on the choice of faith and obedience that Ruth made and the choices that we make in our life to accept you, Lord, and that as people go forth, Lord, that they, they live in faith and obedience to you. And those that haven't had the chance to make the decision, Lord, to blindly accept you through their faith, Lord, that they, they seriously consider taking you as their Lord, Lord, and make that decision to take you as theirs. Lord, as we learn through the stories that you put in the Bible, that there's always the opportunity to change and accept you, Lord, and, and have you redeem us, that we gracefully and humbly approach that decision. And Lord, that I pray that as all we do, we glorify you in all ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.